Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 17. My name is Phil Edwards and I'm in Melbourne and I'll be joined in a moment by my regular co-host in Perth, Shane Johnston. In this episode, our feature topic, will look at gaming and its effect on people in general and particularly on the youth. So let's get the show underway now. Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 17. My name is Phil Edwards, and I'm in Melbourne, and I'm joined by my regular co-host in Perth, Shane Johnston. G'day, Shane. How are you? Hey, Phil. How you doing? Excellent, excellent. Uh, My Tech Opinion is brought to you by Aussie Tech, uh, Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For great hosting plans and support, visit athwebhosting.com.au. For those who haven't caught uh, this show before, My Tech Opinion is a show that looks at the, a feature topic each episode. And it won't be just us. Where possible, we'll also have guests take part that will lend their expertise to our discussion and our feature topic. That said, we don't have a guest this week, but our feature topic will be looking at gaming and its effects on people, particularly the youth. So there you go. That's what we're talking about this week. Uh, Before we get into our feature topic, though, Shane, how have you been? I've been health-wise, yeah, I've been good. Um, I thought I was at the end of my kind of, because every week I'm going to Silver Chain to get um, my foot dressed and all that kind of stuff, and I thought today would yep. be the last one, but they said, no, nah, you better come back for one more. I thought, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, generally pretty good. Um, the last episode that we recorded was episode um, 16, obviously, because this is 17. In developer Steve. Yeah, and that kind of got me a little bit motivated into looking at um, you know, different languages and, and um, that kind of thing. Most people that I've spoken to, they, they sort of said, you know, you really need to kind of think of a project and then that'll, you know, that'll motivate you to kind of pick a language and get yep. into it. Um, but, I mean, I haven't really got anything that I want to do per se but I wouldn't mind learning coding to kind of help me with work so I know I, I know I probably need to learn a bit more of PowerShell because I do system administration and that helps with that yeah but we've also got a, we're implementing a new system a new ticketing system called service now and I know that you can kind of customize that using JavaScript yep but um but I'm not 100% sure whether I should just learn JavaScript as in from a front-end point of view. Do I then learn frameworks? And it's just, you know, you put more than two options in front of me and it takes me a long weekend to make a decision. Yeah, no, no, understandable. I, um, what have I done? I've done, which, you know, which is really sort of just modification to Windows and stuff. I've done a little bit of VBA, which, um, for work as well, yep. um, which I've sort of gone out of, not having to deal with it anymore. I'm getting a bit rusty in it. Yep. I was never that proficient anyway, but um, I'd sort of got into a groove there. Yeah. The one thing that I'd tried to look at from perspective from here was that I do have a couple of Raspberry Pi devices. Yep. So I was looking at Python for those. Yeah. And I had a project in mind and I just couldn't get it to work and I'm just not that adept to doing these things. <laughs> so because I, I was trying to work out a way to create a remote for my cooling system. Oh, yeah. Because it uses RF. 
Yep. Um, so I'd got the little chip to, to transmit and receive RF signals, and I tried to do a few things just to get it going. So I sort of thrown that out out the door. Um, but you know, I I have so much spare time as it is in my life because you know I, I never I keep doing all this other stuff and podcasts and radios and radio programs and football and all this sort of thing. So it's hard for me to sit down and actually find a time to to get in there and do it. So um, I see your I see your thing and I wish I could spend more time programming. Yeah, I forgot Python could be used for all that sort of stuff as well because Python mm. seems to be an up-and-coming language um, as far you know, for web development as well as you know, the stuff that you just mentioned. So, mm. yeah. I mean, there's plenty of uses. It's um, uh, I mean, I think you need to look at... It depends on the device you're doing, what you're wanting to do with it what you're wanting to achieve. Um, I have bought books on doing, well, previously, what they call it? I don't know what they call for iOS stuff, but I was looking at, you know, if I do get into it at some point, I'll probably look at Swift. Yep. Because um, I do have some ideas for some apps, but I just haven't got off my backside to actually do anything about it. And, you know, I need to learn a bit more about databases and all that sort of stuff in terms of, you know, SQL and things like that. So... Anyway, you know, it, it continues on forever. So one day I might get there. True. Um, now, MBN update. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last couple of weeks. Um, for those who are watching the video, you might see that my voice is probably not in sync fully with my video, which suggests that I have no MBN, which is the case. Well, no, technically you've got it. You just can't use it yet. Well, yeah. So uh, the update on that is, uh, for those who have heard previous episodes, I have fibre to the curb uh, available at the front of my house. Um, I got notified that it was available. Got the, the network connection device, which I've shown on the show previously. And I was told that the short, short version is, I was told that the fibre link to the distribution point out the front was not working and that they would expect to f- have it sorted in August at some point. Um, I hadn't received any notification that that had occurred, but I was playing around with the NBN rollout map the other day, and when you do a rollout map and drop the pin on houses, it will tell you whether they're available to be connected or whether they are connected. All right. So I started noticing that houses in my street are saying connected, which they previously weren't. So I'm like, ooh. Hello. So I plugged the unit into my line and it came up with the lights that it's supposed to come up with, which suggests that the issue's been resolved. So um, I couldn't get any data through. I thought, is there an issue? Blah, blah, blah. Um, But I have made the stupid mistake of deciding to port my home phone number over. Um, And that's mainly to... Um, allow the Luddites in my family on both sides of my family my wife's parents and my parents to call us on our home phone should we they need to and that is now causing the problem because I had the hold up with the the system previously um, they put a hold on my port the porting of the number and so my provider has told me yes I can connect 
However, if I do so, what will happen is that uh, the uh, MBN will send a note through to my legacy provider, being Telstra, to say that that service is now active. You can, you've got permission to disconnect the ADSL service. And by doing that without porting the phone number would mean that my phone, it, they would suggest that my phone number is no longer needed and would disappear off into the ether. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and while it is possible to get it back, apparently it's a painful process. Yeah. So, yeah, now I don't have to wait for a text message to say that your number's ready to port. But they've, they've brought it forward, though. They're, like, doing it in the next... Yeah, like, so the thing was, was that from my understanding, that NBN had not notified Aussie Broadband, my provider, that the issue had been resolved. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm going to assume that they fixed an issue for someone else that had the flow-on effect of fixing my issue. Yep. Because I hadn't had any notification that the problem was resolved and therefore start, the data started flowing down the pipe. Yep. So I've now restarted that process. So I'm hoping that they haven't, that my issue is no longer, is not still sitting as though it's unresolved because I'll get really, cra- really, really annoyed if that's yeah. the case. But um, Aussie Broadband detected that you connected your modem up though, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that's common sense approach, Shane. <laughs> Anything to do with the MBN clearly has not got a common sense approach. No. So, um, worst case scenario, because the thing, the thing is, there's two, there's two scenarios that can occur once with my home phone. I can either, well, it's three, actually. I can, A, port the number as per normal. Yep. Cool. I can be relinquish the phone number and go without, yep. which is a fairly valid option these days. A lot of people are doing it. And option C is I ditch my phone, current phone number and I go to a brand new phone number. Yeah, that'd be the worst option, I reckon. Well, I do. There is an advantage of that. Okay. And that is, say, for example, I get 10 phone calls a week on my home phone. Eight of them are selling me new contracts for my electricity, yep. solar panel power, or um, investment properties. Yep. So I would suggest that um, hopefully that by going to a new number and then making it unlisted may hopefully slow that down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's an option. Yeah, I mean, you got to obviously tell all the people that you want the number to want to know the number. You got to tell them. Well, that's exactly right. So, look, I'm going to go through the porting. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of days. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll receive a message tomorrow, or so we're recording this on a Sunday, so tomorrow or Tuesday. Yep. And uh, we'll see how we go. What happens to people that have got things like alarms and all that kind of stuff? Um. As I'm eating a lozenge. Um, sorry. That was just really rude. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. They've said that you've got to tell them. Um, I 
it depends on, see, a lot of people with alarms, a lot of the alarm providers are providing an upgrade where instead of using a phone line, they can move to a, um, a GSM, like 3G, 4G based service. Oh, yeah. Um, the real concern is, there's a couple of concerns. So th- that's the communications part of it. Yep. The other side of it is, is that unless you have a battery backup on your NBN modem, that um, you, uh, unless you have a battery backup on your NBN modem, if the power goes out, then the alarm or the monitored service can't call home. Yeah. So in my case, it's less likely to be an issue anyway because um, I have a I have a UPS that will keep my um, modem in that running. Yep. Uh, at least for 45 minutes. But then I also don't have a medical-based alarm or anything like that. So I think there's upgrades that have got to occur. It depends on what your alarm is. You know, there's a few other issues there. And they're recommending people don't do that. Okay. Um, I also don't know how on dial-up-based services, I don't know how well they work over an IP-type line. Yep. So, you know, one option is is that you could have a... If you want to overcomplicate it, you could have an FXS, FXS port device where it could turn a PSTN into a IP line. Yep. But then I don't know how that impacts communicating over IP net. You know, you know, does the IP part of the network kill the quality and all that sort of thing? Yep. So yeah, I I, I know that they they warn against it, but they don't necessarily exactly say why. Oh, okay. People that have lifts in their house also have to be mindful of that too. Oh, really? Mm. Um, if you have an enclosed elevator, yeah. So a, one that has a door that shuts, yeah. Then it's required to have a telephone in it. Uh, okay. So, um, do you um, we will look. Do you know people that are rich enough that have elevators in houses? Do you? I do actually. All right. <laughs> um, well, the thing is, in my the house that I'm going to be building, we're actually. We're not putting one in, but we're putting a provision for a lift in. Oh, okay. Is it going to be a two-story joint? Yep. All right. So there's there's a couple of different lifts around. There's the standard commercial-style lifts that have to have a concrete surround, you know, and they have the the proper lift shaft, and it looks like a lift in a commercial building. Yep. And then there's uh, residential lifts that are available. So, um, and they're about, oh, well, in the current price range, they range anywhere between about twenty eight to forty thousand dollars. So, you know, it's not something that I necessarily want to put in right now. But you know, if I have parents living with us, or you know, I'm going to build a two story house that I'm going to be seventy two years old before I pay it off. <laughs> yeah, um, means that I, uh, yeah, I'm going to be that age before I pay it off. It means that I may want to have that lift in there for future use. Yep. Um, so we, it's just we've looked at it from a design perspective so that we've got the ability to put one in and then, um, and if we need to, we can, rather than, because a lot of these lifts that are available are, you know, you need to have space above and below. And yep. We don't want it going up in the middle of a lounge room type thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that, but they were telling us, so there's one that's available that's designed for up to, like two to three stories and that's a, a like a, it's a residential lift that doesn't have a door so you actually 
see you pass through the different levels. Yeah, right. Um, and that's um, and they are not required to have a telephone. Yep. And then there's one that does have a. It's a see-through door, but it's a door nonetheless. Yeah. And that does have a telephone in it, but the way that they get around it is that they build a USB port and a have a little compartment that hides a mobile phone. Ah, uh, okay. And they will, you know, one of those phones that have the 12-month expiry on prepaid or something like that. Yep. Um, and the company even pays for the first year. So just a little dumb phone in, in a box. So, um, yeah. But, and the good thing about these lists is that they're all, you know, 240 volt. You don't need three-phase power and stuff, whereas a lot of the bigger ones you need to have three-phase power. So yep. it depends on what your use case scenario is in, in our situation would be. Um, uh, for a someone who couldn't walk up a set of stairs, could fit a wheelchair, but it's really one maximum two-person lift. Yeah. Whereas then I've seen other ones that hold five or six. So. so what would you use the space for before you put the lift in? Would you put like maybe a server room there or something? Put your IT equipment? No. Um, in our case, we're having a walk-in linen closet. Oh, okay. Upstairs. Yep. And downstairs, it's storage space in a garage because we're having a two-and-a-half-car space garage. All right. So we're adding another metre and a half onto it. Yep. So it adds extra storage space. Yeah. Um, but, no, I've I've done the plans for my server space, and um, it'll be I'm having a, a box put on the wall in the garage that will be the termination point for the networking. Um, and then, yeah, I haven't... I've, I've designed it in a way that should work, hopefully. <laughs> we'll find out the hard way, yeah. I think. We'll see. So yeah. we're still 12 months away, though, aren't we? I mean, you haven't even started building, obviously. Not no, because... no. Well, um, uh, we expect to knock our house down in late Feb, early March next year. Oh, okay. So this time next year, I'll be homeless. Hmm. For all of, um, for nearly 12 months. And then if we're still doing the podcast in two years' time, I will be in the new house in there, and I'll probably be doing podcasts from my theatre room. What are we going to be doing when you are on your little hiatus and, and living with wherever, whichever in We'll work that out. We'll work it out. <laughs> I can do it from the radio station or something. Yeah, because by then that'll have NBN, won't it? It should. We're looking at even farther for there, but that's another whole other discussion. No, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, we might continue with the program. That's enough of my NBN update. The short answer is, after all of that, <laughs> hopefully this week. All right, cool. So, yes. Um, and the other thing that you'd mentioned there, Shane, was that hacking has become so common that news.com.au has given its own category. News.com.au forward slash technology forward slash online forward slash hacking. Yes. Which I, yeah, I like that. I, you know, I, when, when things like that come up as a standard option, you go, you know, that's a bit sad. <laughs> a little bit. So, uh, yeah. Um, hang on, let's see what articles are on there. Yeah. Click on the link. What have we got? Um, Hacker Spark, Airport Security Spare, Ghost Scam, Targeting Aussies. Mum hacks Facebook, sends lewd messages. I think these are all Australian ones too. Russia slapped with new hacking sanctions. Apart from that one. It's all a bit of everything. It's just another hashtag. 
So there you go. You know it getting. You know it's getting bad. There was something else that there was something else that I saw that you go when it gets. Um, you know, a sign or a note, noteboard or something like that somewhere, that it's a problem. Yeah. And you can go and buy, you know, things from Office Works like a standard sign for the office. Yeah, you know, okay, that's just a bit weird. <laughs> so yes, we'll have that link in the show notes. Anyway, um, there's our bit of informal chat. We might take a very short break and come back with our feature topic. What do you think, Shane? Sounds like a plan. Excellent. You are listening and watching My Tech Opinion. We'll be back in a moment. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. It is time for our feature topic. And this week we are, or this episode, we're looking at video games and their effect on people, and particularly kids. Um, yeah, it's look, it's an interesting topic. And... I, I can say that um, we might as well just get into it. I, I am a casual gamer. I'm certainly not an addict. Maybe I'm just old school in the sense that um, uh, I can only do a certain period of time and then I get like, that's it, I'm done. Yep. And I have to stop playing. Um, I, I was saying to Shane before we were on air that um, I do have... Uh, like a PlayStation 4 and I play Gran Turismo and Call of Duty and a couple of other things but I can only play for a certain period of time and then I'm like that's it I'm done yeah um, but the one thing that is uh, that strikes me is that um, and I'm not a huge first person shooter game gamer but one thing that struck me is I play Call of Duty and even though I know it's completely simulated and all this sort of stuff, it's really, really violent. It's really violent. And I'm like, like I don't have kids, but I'm like, if I did, they're not going anywhere near this thing. Yeah, I mean, if you as an adult is feeling kind of uncomfortable playing it, um, is it the quality? Because, I mean, as obviously as each version or iteration of the game comes out, the quality is getting more and more real. Um, oh yeah, and and look, there's there's a level that, that you know, well, the whole game's like it, but you you know, you can walk around with a shovel and shove it into people's heads, or if I get blown up, my arm comes off and blood spurts out of it and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's like you know, and I'm and I'm the I'm the type of person that's like, yeah, I know that that's fake, and I completely delineate between the fake and the real world. Yeah. So I mean, and we're specifically talking about the violence aspect of it. Yep. Um, but then there's the addiction aspect and, you know, the game that is, you know, on the tip of everyone's tongues at the moment is Fortnite. Yeah. And while it is a first person shooter, I would hardly call that a ultra violent war game. Um, yeah, you shoot people and things like that, but it's not realistic violence. It's cartoon violence. Okay. So I, I would, you know, I've played it a few times. I, I can't really get into it. I'm not that... And it, you know, it encourages construction and you know, protection and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that the idea of violence, of, of violence, the idea of Fortnite is that yeah, you play a game and if you die, you can play another one. But it's not like a Call of Duty where you spawn ten times in a in a match or you know fifty times in a match. It's a a um, it's something that you do. Um, like you die and then that game's over and then you have to go to, to a new game. 
Yeah, don't you have to watch the rest of the game? Because isn't it no. kind of survival of the fittest? Oh, okay. It is survival of the fittest, but you don't have to watch the rest of the game. Once you're out, you're out. Oh, okay. So, yes. So, um, look, it, it's... um. It's a bit different, but the the thing is, is that there's, I suppose, the two aspects to it. There's two aspects to gaming. It's saying, well, okay, there's the the addictive properties of gaming. So forget about the specifics of the game. Yep. And then there's then the next phase of it is, well, looking at the material in the game. What is the impacts of that on people and how they perceive things and what have you? Yeah. Now, youth in particular, because they're obviously, I think that the, 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 you know, I'm, you and I are of the, the ilk, Shane, that we, that when we grew up, there was consoles and what have you, but it was Donkey Kong and, yeah, you know, Pac-Man basic, and all that kind of real stuff. basic stuff. I mean, kids growing up now, they see, you know, play, you know, the PlayStation 4 and things like that, and it's amazing what they can do with those Mm. um and and the realistic type thing and what have you but you but they're also growing up with it from day one yeah and they're relatively accessible and all this sort of stuff so there there was an article i found i'll include the notes in the show the show notes and it talks about the positive and negative effects in gaming on on kids so if looking at the positive it talks about problem solving and logic um, there's improved hand-eye coordination, fine motor and spatial skills, planning, resource, man- resource management and logistics, um, multitasking, simultaneous tracking of many shifting variables and managing multiple objectives. This sounds like all stuff I could put in my CV. <laughs> you know, skills. Multitasking, simultaneous tracking of many shifting variables and managing multiple objects. Really? That's, that's CV material. <laughs> Quick thinking, making fast analysis and decisions. Accuracy, strategy and anticipation, situational awareness. Look, and I'll continue with some more soon. And all these things are valid. You know, you look at a game that probably sits in the middle of the road for, for teens and what have you is Minecraft. Yeah. Not an overly violent game, encourages construction, you know, the spatial awareness, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you can really see the positives there. And there's a lot of learning games. Yep. Yeah. And things like that. Even with Minecraft, they don't even score, so it's not like it's not even competitive in that kind of way. Yeah, look, I've never played Minecraft, to be perfectly honest. So I've seen it in action, but but is it a, is Minecraft a gateway drug as well? Like, I think, um, and because that's one of those games that just kind of harking back to our previous episode and, and what we just talked about with the the coding. That's one of the games that people that you know, the companies use to teach kids how to code. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So you can see the benefits there. I think, you know, where they're, where they're talking about a lot of the negatives is talking specifically about violence in games. Yep, and the addiction. And the addiction side of it. And a lot of the, you know, the adult version of that is poker machines. Yep. Pokies. Yep. Um, and that gratification of winning extra games or you know small wins and things like that i think you can see you know those sort of principles are used in game for kids yep and a lot of it's driven around money i mean you know 
I remember the days where you buy a console game and it was, you know, 90 bucks and that's all you spent. Mm. Whereas now, it's... In-app purchases. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like Fortnite. They gave they give Fortnite away. It's a free game. Yet, the company that owns Fortnite turned over $300 million last month. So, obviously, there's in-app purchases because I've never played the oh, game. Oh, yeah. You can upgrade to Battle Royale. You can do this. You can do that. You know, there's all these things that you can do with it. Yeah. Um, to, to level up and make it more chance of winning. So, for a game that costs nothing, that's impressive. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so there, there's that aspect of it. I think my concern around gaming really resolves around, re, re, revolves around, I should say resolves is not the right word, is when having control over whether it be yourself or your kids to say, okay, now you need to step away from the console. Yeah. That's, you know, where the concern is. Yeah. Now, I know that... Um Certain games and certain social social media sites and all that kind of stuff have age kind of limits, but um, they're not the same as like your movie kind of ratings. Where you know, like if I was twelve and I wanted to go and watch an you know, R-rated movie, there are people that are going to stop me from buying the ticket and stop me from going kind of in there to watch that. Whereas, from what I'm what I'm gathering with the research that I did for this topic those ratings on games are more kind of a guideline and there's no way of enforcing it. Um, I think in terms of purchasing games, if you went to EB Games, JB Hi-Fi or something like that, Mm. then there is a requirement from them to enforce age restrictions on the physical purchase of games. Yep. (coughs) However, these days, you the same issue of... um, it, well, and this has been an issue for years. So you go, well, uh, I can't watch the what was the, the film when I was a kid. This is going back a long way. That was the eighteen, you know, the eighteen plus film that you weren't allowed to watch was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I haven't seen. Yeah, there's plenty of films since then. Yeah. There's you know heaps of stuff. Um, but. There's a shortcut to that, and it's like, yeah, well, I can't go to the shop and rent it, or I can't go and buy it, or you know. But what if my parents do it? Yeah. And the danger that there is around is that parents go, oh, it's a video game, and they can play it. That's fine. Yeah. Now, hang on. That's not quite how it works anymore. You know, video games when I was a kid was all about, you know, um, as I said, Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers and what have you. Yep. Um, so really, parents need to take probably more interest in their kids' lives and learn about the technology and learn, not obviously learn about the game to the point of knowing how to play it, but at least be aware of what the content's like and all that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think it goes, you know, we've covered things in our previous episodes that talk about... Um, the talk about like connectivity and Wi-Fi and what have you, the same, you know, I think it's a combination of multiple factors. Knowing exactly what your kid's playing. 
Um, knowing the point to say, that's it, you've got to stop playing. Yep. How do you control their access to that game? Do you kill the, the internet? so Because obviously online playing is the key these days. Yeah. Do you stop access to that? Um, you know, do you take the console away from them? Well, again, if the parents are tech savvy enough, like, you know, we would be. I mean, when the kids used to live here, um, I had parental controls turned on so that, you know, the internet access was only from this time to this time kind of thing. But yeah. not every parent knows how to do that. And the thing the thing is, is that I think that what companies need to do, and I think we'll, we'll single out Google and Apple on this, I think that they've got... And, and gaming, and look, as I said, gaming's a bit harder. I know that there's some restrictions you can put on, you know, things like the PlayStation Network and things like that. But you, the, the short um, answer is, is that you need to, um, like, you can put parental controls on what they buy and what they can play and things like that. What you also need to do is understand the technology, but I think companies should have a responsibility to actually promote those those controls as well. Yeah. So uh, I, was, I was at a wedding last night, actually, and we were talking to someone, and they were like, yeah, um, I have, on like, I know I can do this on iOS, but on my, um, but they were saying on my Google account, you know, the kids have got Android phones and t- tablets and stuff. I've set it up so that they've got, um, access like uh, I've got the parent account, and they need to get approval from my account before they can buy things and and access certain things and things like that. She goes, I didn't know that existed, but I was setting up a Google account for my twelve year old, and because they're under a certain age, it had to be linked to a parental account. So I discovered all of these settings from that one thing. Yeah. Whereas I think that businesses should actually be promoting actively yep. what those are available. The flip side of that is is that that Google has basically taken away the control from the parent then and said, okay, well, because your kid is 12, these things are automatically going to kick in. Yeah, what happens if you happen to have a, a mature twelve year old? Shouldn't it still be up to the parent to say, Look, thanks Google, but I'm quite okay with my twelve year old playing whatever? Oh no no. Yeah, there's things that you can do to say, Yeah, we'll allow those accesses. Oh, okay. But you know, um but you but it shows that you can control that. Yep. Um and I know that, you know, the the the, the gaming systems can, you know, have mature ratings. Even Foxtel has, you know, you can restrict um, the Foxtel box from playing shows that are over a certain rating as well. Yeah. But I think I think the thing is, is that, you know, be and don't just let your kids buy whatever they want, whether it be online. Yep. Don't go and buy them a game because it's a video game doesn't mean that they should play it. Yep. And things like that. Read, like, you know, when, when Shane, you were looking, doing the research for the show, um, you had got, you know, information from psychologists on um, what 
you know, the, the, the studies that have been done into those effects. Yes. Read them. Look at the signs in the kids. Because some kids are going to be fine. They're going to play it for a bit, stop playing, what have you. Yeah. And then there's other kids who are going to get so addicted to it if they've got an addictive personality that they start not doing other things as well. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at some of the, the positives, you know, talks about furthermore, it's like strategy and anticipation, situational awareness, developing reading and math skills, perseverance, pattern recognition, estimating skills, mapping, memory, concentration. I mean, the list goes on. But then it talks about some of the negative effects. Um, most of the bad effects of video games are blamed on the violence that they contain. Children who play more violent video games are more likely to have increased aggressive thoughts, feelings, and behaviours, and decreased pre-social helping, uh, and re- decreased pre-social helping, according to a scientific study. Um, uh, some experts believe that the effect of video game violence is also worsened by kids by the game's interactive nature, like kids are rewarded for being more violent. And then there's the addiction aspect to it as well. So, you know, there, there's, there, I think the, the thing is, like, kids can be addicted. I mean, whether it's gaming, whether it's, you know, drugs. Yeah. Uh, really, really weird correlation. But people have addicted, people in general, not just kids, have addicted personalities. And it's up to, to us, whether it be as parents or, Whatever, even if, even, you know, my wife, if they, she thought I was sitting here the whole time playing games and just not paying attention to anything else, it, you know, you've got to have that understanding with your loved ones of saying, calling you out and saying, okay, you've got to stop doing this. Yeah. It's two o'clock in the morning, Phil. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, 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 I think the, the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's identifying it. And understanding where the risks are and identifying. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's all, like, the research that's been done. Now, you got some anecdotal feedback, Shane? I have, yeah. I basically put the word out um, on Facebook and, yeah, let people know that we were doing this episode and just asked for their feedback about how they kind of handled it in relation to, to their kids. So I've got the the comments and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. Mm. Obviously, I've taken names and all that kind of stuff out to protect yep. the innocent. Did you want to touch on a couple? Yeah. You, you want to read them? Uh, yeah, okay. Let's start from the top. So we kind of talked about the ratings um, earlier, and someone sort of wrote back saying that the ratings, and this, um, this is where I kind of got more information from with the comment I made earlier, the ratings aren't so important with online games most have warnings saying saying this um you need to try and monitor the toxicity of the community and the other players this is basically more about um the the online aspect of a game and yep. you know the other people that you're kind of playing against you know because they could be i mean you don't really know who they are they, they could be adults they could be other kids they could be um people with dodgy backgrounds they could be you know they could be great people so you just don't know I just read part of the comment of the one that you were talking about it's quite funny but anyway yeah um and then he goes on to sort of say apart from that bit in the middle he goes on to say in all seriousness um some kids are quite toxic and um and they learn social interactions from the games 
but like any kid needs uh, they need boundaries when certain behaviors um is appropriate and what behavior is appropriate and inappropriate yep i should probably take that middle bit out because otherwise that doesn't really protect the innocent <laughs> you know that's fair enough um another one said that my kids were uh weren't allowed to play violent games until they were about 15 uh, and we're only allowed to play in the family room, so there's no bedroom set up. So uh, the parent couldn't monitor them while doing household chores. And they weren't uh, allowed to play after dinner time. Uh, I think you have to monitor the type of games that they play and the length of time that you allow them to play when they're a certain age. I think that touches on exactly what we were just saying before. They need guidance, especially with a lack of social skills associated with modern technology. Um, it's that there's a particular point that says they need guidance with the especially lack of social skills and associated with modern technology. You know what a, a good example, and I was reading an article today, a good example of someone who lacks social skills hmm. is Donald Trump. Yes. He's the archetypal um, tr- Twitter troll. Yep. And he will make comments in speeches and online through his Twitter account about how he thinks that you know, the UK is useless and Germany is weak and has a go at their leader. But when he then goes and meets them in person, <laughs> yeah. he's nice as pie to them. Yeah. So um, it says that if, you, if people are getting their social interaction through these games, that's their social interaction where people are hiding behind a microphone and a screen. Yep. How does that impact the social skills of people? Yeah, when we were, um, when the kids were living here and um, we were obviously trying to monitor the amount that they spent on there, the oldest one in particular would sort of say, you know, these are my friends. Don't you want me to have friends? Do you want me to go to... And, you know, and they would, you know, he would try and do the whole guilt trip to sort of say, basically, this is the only way I, I interact with people. Why are you stopping me? Yeah. That's not good. No. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that there's that thing of you need to have social interaction. Yeah. You know. In a, in a real world scenario, so see back in the day when I and I'm assuming this is a bit the same as you when we used to play video games, they were at arcades or they were at the local fish and chip shop. So you had the you had the interaction with people kind of in 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 the real world. Yeah, and you would often play against other people. Yeah, and the other thing is you're only there as long as the amount of money in your pocket lasted for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it wasn't, you sit there for 10 hours. Uh, one of the guys who I work with says his nephew goes over to his house. He arrives there just before he goes to work. And then he comes home and he's constantly playing games the whole time. He's like, dude, you've actually got to stop, have a half hour break, eat food and go into the real world for a little bit. You know, just at that level. Now, the other uh, thing is, is parents tend to use technology as kind of a babysitting thing of course and and the other side the other side of it is we're then also bombarded in the media about how bad the real world is with you know murders and you know drugs and that on the outside you go well aren't we better off letting the kids stay at home than letting them roam the neighborhood so 
there's got to be a happy medium somewhere. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah. Uh, there was a really good one that... Um, uh, there was a short one here. It says, a preview on research. I rely on gun instinct and I'm comfortable. I have sensible kids, which makes my decisions easier. There are still limits. No GTA, but Fortnite is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good one. And this one, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays are no electronic device days, no iPads, PlayStation, Nintendo, or Xbox. Other days, there's a two-hour limit. can be two hours straight or whenever they want to, but the limit is two hours. This can be negotiable, especially on the weekends, if they give me something like help and chores and things like that. In regards to game ratings, I only use them as a guide. I check the game out of the box and I'll see if it's appropriate. Recently, their son um, bought a second-hand Xbox bundle that came with a copy of GTA, and he promptly handed it to me saying, here, mum, you won't like this game, and so you can get rid of it. Which is good. You know, the kids are policing themselves. Yeah. So, um, that's 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 good conditioning there. But I think the no-device days are good, and, and it's an interesting one. My wife and I have got had the discussion about, well, when we have kids... How do we, we need to monitor our own use, not necessarily for gaming, but our own device use. Yeah. Because if we continue using devices the way we do, then that's what we're going to bring up. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. You've got to, to an extent, practice what you preach. You can't sort of come down hard on your kids and say, restrict them to an hour a day or something. And then they watch you, you know, on your device for eight hours a day. Oh, Absolutely. I think the other side of it is is that here's a really good loop and segue back into the start of the whole episode. Yeah. That I would really like to, and whether we do it, learn together, but I would like to get my kids learning coding and choosing language and learn some coding and things like that. So that, look, if they're going to be using a device, let's try and do it in a way that's going to make me some money at some point. <laughs> That, we'll, we'll put them to work. We can put them into a coding sweatshop. You know, like that's yeah. uh, in all seriousness. Actually, using it to build skill. Yeah. Um, I think that we we live in a world that um, we're going to get separated progressively by those who who can be very technical from an IT perspective and those who can't. Yeah, and um, you know, I or, always I see this now with um, some of my friends that they just don't, that they're, they're not necessarily that technology adept. Yep. And therefore monitoring internet usage and things like that um, becomes harder. Yeah. So, you know, um, one, try and create good habits from day one. Like I'm, when I have kids, they're going to, they're going to be into devices. I just know it. Um, we've talked about you know, building a new house that, that my wife and I are doing, Shane, and um, uh, the amount of extra power points I put into it because I just know the amount of devices that are going to be plugged in at some point. So um, you got. I'm prepared for it. I'm yeah, future-proofing, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, and it's how do we manage that and combine that with books and things like that. 
I also think that we're going to get to a point where we're also going to have some sort of, um, you know, whether it's a hipster thing or something else, but there's also going to be technology backlash as well. Yeah. I mean, we're already seeing that now with things like, um, you know, the resurgence of vinyl. Yeah. So, but it's making sure that we find a good mix point. How do we combine that with, you know, the effects of video games and managing that? making the choice of what games that they play, encouraging them to play that games, and then also having that time away from um, the screen. The other thing is, you know, go out and play some sport. I never played sport when I was a kid, and I'm the one that's suffering for it now. Mm. Um, so if you can go and play sport, go and play sport. Yeah. But, I mean, I know we've kind of flipped between the negatives and the positives, but yeah, one of the other... Positives, especially kind of in the in the last couple of years, um, focusing on gaming in particular, is that it's it's a, it's a, an e-sport and kids are making well kids or participants are making a truckload of money from it if they're good at it. The thing the thing that I find interesting is the money making aspect. So there's e-sports, yeah. as you're right, and and even in in Australia that the um. In particular, the AFL teams are creating esports divisions. Um, uh, in Australia as well, I mean, there's the, um, you know, certain, like I remember as a kid that the Australian International Car Show that was on in Melbourne, every year I used to go every year and I stopped going and things like that. Mm-hmm. So all these different shows are on. But, you know, the one show that sells its tickets out in about five minutes is PAX. Oh, really? Which is a gaming expo. I mean, the, that, the popularity of that in Australia is massive. Yep. Um, so I think you're right with esports, but I think it, you've still got to – I think you've still got to have that combination of, you know. You could have the balance, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is esports a real sport, though? You know, I I wish I could find where I saw it or heard it, but I am sure that they were considering it for an Olympics, kind of like, you know, two or three Olympics down the track. Yeah, no. Can we not? <laughs> Imagine, um, no, we don't need to do that. Um, now, did you sign up for Amazon Prime? I have got the screen ready to go. Um, what you get as being an Amazon Prime member, of course, is you can link it and have a Twitch Prime account. Yes. Do that. Look at the amount of stuff. People, the amount of money people make off Twitch is phenomenal. And the production values on there are pretty good too, I have to say. But, um, yeah. Um, so there's money in gaming. Um, unbelievable amount of money. You know, and we talk about movies and things like that. The amount of money that goes into purchasing games and things like that is just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So um, there's opportunities in it, but it's also understanding that um, what you, where the limitations are, what your opportunities are, you know, that sort of thing. It's, I just still don't understand the whole thing. Like I I watch a little bit of Twitch stuff and I preface it, by saying a little bit. Yeah. 
crap. See, I don't, um, and I don't know if this is related to my disability or not, but I don't have the quick reactions or the hand-eye coordination for, like, first-person shooters. So the only games that I really got into were your simulator games like Flight Sim mm. um, or more kind of your strategy kind of games kind of thing. Because, um, you know, if I had a Twitch account and tried to play a first-person shooter, I mean, you know, I'm just going to get killed in the first couple of seconds. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm not very good at first-person I'm I get I've got better at first person shooters, but I'm certainly not great and the amount that I die is prefaced to that. Yeah. But um but also I'm not addicted like other people and I am quite happy to stop playing after mm. a while. Yeah. So look, I think, you know, going back onto the topic, there is there are clear benefits and, you know, there might be an opportunity to make money, but in terms of esports it's like any let let's bring it into the sports vernacular though. Yeah. Don't get into esports like don't get into real sports to make money. No. If you're good at it then that might happen, but you should be doing stuff for the love of it, eh? Um and then in terms of real sports as opposed to esports there's also a physical benefit to doing that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You can get addicted. Like people have addictive personalities. I don't know. I, I'm, I, to be honest, I have, I have an addiction to sugar and I have an addiction to nicotine. They're my two addictions. I don't really get addicted to much else. I'm not addicted to gaming. I'm probably addicted to buying Apple products. That's a fair, fair, you know assumption yep. but um but i don't i'm not i don't have an overly addictive personality whereas i know people that do but you know you've also you've got to acknowledge that you have a child or you even yourself might have an addictive personality and to be aware that what that impact it has whether it be on your own life or someone else yeah so We've got a whole bunch of studies and, and links and all that kind of stuff to studies that um, I, I was managed to get off of the, the psychologist I spoke to. Absolutely. And to be honest, I haven't actually read through them thoroughly, but it'd be interesting to see... There's a lot of research being done on it too. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether there was any research or anything that sort of said that people have to have a, an addictive personality and something like video games kind of just enhances that or brings that out. Or can people not have an addictive personality and then the gaming and the video games kind of creates that from scratch? I'm probably of the opinion that they have to kind of already have the foundations of an addictive personality there and video games kind of just enhance that. <coughs> Look, I agree with you. I'm not a, I, I believe that people are predisposed to having that addictive personality. Yep. And they can go into gaming, they can be into drugs, they can be get addicted to going to the gym. I mean, there were plenty of people I know that are addicted to that sort of thing. Yep. Um, I think, I think having the, I think there's, the addiction is probably the, the not the bad part. It's the, what do you do with that addiction? Yeah. So, um, like one of the, the links, the links that we'll include in the show notes, one of the negative things it says is, some video games teach the kids the wrong values. Violent behavior, vengeance, and aggression are often rewarded. 
Uh, negotiating and other non-violent solutions are, are often not options. Women are often portrayed as weaker characters that are helpless or sexually provocative. On the other hand, a University of Buffalo study suggests that violence and bad behaviour played in the virtual world may be contributing to better behaviour in the real world. We'll come back to that. Gamers who play violent games and may, may feel guilty about their behaviour in the virtual world, and this may make them more sensitive to the moral issues they violated during gameplay. But for them to feel morally, feel that they've made you know bad moral choices in the video game, they have to know that it's a bad moral choice in the first place. Yeah. Um, in terms of the wrong values, look, I don't necessarily think that if if someone is brought up in the right environment that that they would believe that violent behaviour, vengeance, and aggression are you know are rewarded values. I can see where they would learn that if they're in the wrong environment. But what I, I think where the concern is, is the social interaction aspect of it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the adrenaline rush that they're going for in the game, and if they have that, particularly if you're not managing it from day one, if parents... I think where I see one of the issues, and I've heard some anecdotal discussion on this, is that if you're, like, you've, you, the example that you provided that you got from a friend of yours shown earlier, where the person's like, from day one, I've conditioned my child so that they know that they're not supposed to play those games, so on and so forth. Yep. However, if you've gone, okay, for the last three or four years, they've been able to do whatever they like, and then you go, well, hang on, we've got a problem here. Yeah. And then remove that from them. That's where I think you potentially get the issue. Because the kids are going for that adrenaline rush all the time. Yeah. Bang, they go out there. The other thing is, the, the you know, you look at a game like Call of Duty. So the current version of Call of Duty um, uh, World War Two has a campaign mode. And... Um, but the interesting move that they're making in the new Call of Duty Black Ops 4 that's out later this year is that they're removing the campaign mode from the game. Oh, okay. So it'll be multiplayer only. Yep. Now, the thing is, is that, so, okay, you're multiplying online. Now, I tend to not talk to random people on the online version. Yep. Um, I, I will, I link with party mode with some friends and things like that, but that's about as far as I go. But, the thing is, there's that keyboard warrior aspect where people, the way that people talk online. And and I know that even through some social non-gaming related discussion forums, I'm on private discussion forums, where we're like-minded enough to be quite free with our language. Yeah. It's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. Um, that I have been using that language more in the real world. All right. And I'm going to myself, wow, you really need to come back back the truck up a bit on that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the way that they interact with each other, it's, yeah, there, there's potential issues there. Hmm. So I think, you know, I think the thing is monitor what your kids do, be in the environment where you can hear you don't necessarily want to listen in on their conversation but you hear what they're saying and how they interact and be and and I think you've got to start that behavior from day one yep and have that expectations and build a level of trust and build understanding and cooperation with each other 
Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, if Dr. Philip Chan and Professor Terry Rabinowitz, 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 I should say, writing the Annals of General Psychiatry, concluded that adolescents who play more than one hour of console or internet video games, I'm assuming that's a day, may have more more or more intense symptoms of ADHD or inattention than those do who do not. The negative effect may lead to problems in school. Well, there you go. So, that's an interesting point. Because these conditions like ADHD and ADD and, and related issues, mm. they only... In, my impression, at least, anyway, and I'm you know, feel free to kind of correct me if I'm wrong, and and anyone out there who has kind of evidence that these things kind of go further back, let us know. But they seem to be kind of issues that have only been have only kind of come in in around about the same time as things like technology and video games, and and I'm wondering whether. These issues are... I'm not saying they're not real issues, but I'm wondering whether they're a symptom of today's society um, because, you know, you don't hear of it, people having these conditions, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. I... This is probably going off the topic of gaming slightly. Yeah. I believe that... Well, I'll give an example that's completely off the topic, but it will lead back into it. There was someone, there was an article I was reading and said, oh, you know, the amount of people getting cancer these days is, you know, like it's, it, it's huge. Yeah. And they've gone, well, it doesn't, not necessarily. So there's two parts to that. Number one is that there's no, necess- there's not necessarily evidence that more people are getting cancer. It's that they're better diagnosing that people are getting cancer. Yep. Um, and the other side of it is, is that from, and we're talking specifically cancer, that there's people have a longer lifespan um, because of the aid of modern medicine and, you know, hygiene standards and things like that. So as they get older, they're more susceptible to get other diseases because they're here longer to do that. Yep. So going back onto this, I think that, my personal opinion, things like whether it be autism, Asperger's, HDHD, um, things like that, I think that they've been around, but they're being diagnosed more effectively. Yeah. Um, but, and there's some things that are, are genuine disorders and genuine, you know, disabilities or, I don't, know, I don't like using the word disability, um, but, it, you know, they're, 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 they're things that they've identified. Yep. Um, that, you know, you might have someone that you might go, well, they're on the, the spectrum for Asperger's. Well, they may never have been diagnosed and you might just see them as a socially awkward person. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in terms of these things, I think that the predisposition for people to get these things have always been there. It's just that we're, we're seeing it, identifying it and doing something about it. I also believe, like I'm, I'm a larger person. I believe that um, that being overweight is potentially a genetic thing. But then it's up to the individual to manage that. Yeah. 
to stop it happening. So, you know, there are some people who have a metabolism where they can drink, you know, 10 cans of Coke and they don't put any weight on, and other people will drink 10 cans of Coke and it just goes straight to their backside. Yeah. Um, so the person that's predisposed to that has to stop drinking Coke. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's the that that's the short thing. So, you know, going back to this is that your kid might be susceptible to, you know, addic- having addictive personality. It might be susceptible to ADHD, but it's a responsibility of the parent to go, okay, I can see changes as a result of this. Let's pair it back a bit to try and manage it better. Yeah. That's a really long way of getting to that point. I will say, though, this is my opinion, not necessarily medical evidence to suggest that that is correct. Yeah. That's why this show is called My Tech Opinion. Correct, yeah. Actually, it's probably a good time to put in an official disclaimer that... Of course. You're, we're both not parents. You don't have kids. Um, I did have kids for a period of time in my life, but um, not, not currently. Um, we're not psychologists. We're, you know, all this yeah. is exactly, you know, exactly what you said. This is our opinion. Yeah. You know... Um, it, the, the the nice way of putting it is you're watching Netflix after five episodes of your favourite program that you're binge watching it will uh, give you an option it will continue to play the next episode or it, it comes up on the screen are you still watching yes or no okay. and if you don't press no it stops playing yep you need to make a conscious choice as to whether you go down one path or the other. Do you let it continue to autoplay? Do you stop watching? Yeah. And I think it goes with anything. Do you make a, you know, we have choices available to us in life. Do you buy that V8 Mustang or do you buy a fuel-efficient car? Do you do this? Do you do that? You make that choice and you understand what the implications of that choice are. Yep. And you then need to live with the consequences of that. So, yes, I buy that V8 Mustang. I can drive really fast, but then I can't get people into the back doors because there are no back doors. I will use a lot more petrol, which will have an effect on the environment. You know, you've got to make that decision and understand what the consequences are. Don't do something without looking at the consequences. Yep. And as far as I'm concerned, don't blame... Look at the games that if your kid's playing a PlayStation, you're wondering that they're getting addicted or that they're playing a super violent game that you don't think they should be playing. Well, don't let them buy the game or don't buy the game for them in the first place. Yep. Don't let them play for eight hours on a weekend. Yes. Be a you know? parent. Don't be a friend. Yeah. And, and, but the same goes for you, you as a person, you know, I will play the video game and I will make the decision that, okay, things calm down. I will, say to my wife, I'm just going to go and play the PlayStation for a while. Are you okay with that? And if she says, no, I'd rather you didn't sit here and talk and watch TV, I will not go and play it because that part of my life is more important than playing a video game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to, I think the whole point of it is you make conscious decisions, whether it be for yourself or as a parent for your child. Yep. And you need to look at the consequences of what those decisions are. Yes, you can get a cheap babysitter. You pay a hundred bucks for a PlayStation game, and it lasts them for a couple of months, mm-hmm. compared to sixty or seventy dollars for the night. Yeah. Or 
So, you know, you live with that decision and deal with it. Yep. Or go and buy them a game that is not so violent. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, there's that, uh, going back into it, that two-part. A, are they addicted? And B, what are they addicted to? Yeah. So, you know, there's addiction. You can be addicted to playing Candy Crush on a mobile phone. I've been there, done that, don't worry. Um, but then, but then I think that the social behaviour changing issue of Candy Crush is a lot less. Like I don't walk around trying to grab someone's Snickers bar and then combining it with someone else's Snickers bar. So I don't think that the 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 social issues of Candy Crush are there. But being aggressive to someone and trying to put an axe through their head, yeah, is a concern. Yep. So yes, anything you want to add before we finish it off? Um, no, I stuck in the disclaimer. I, um, I mean, we, we focused a lot on the addiction side of things. We did kind of, um, talk about the violence as well and, and the same thing goes, you know, there's going to be people that are, um, predisposed to being violent and video games probably just kind of help bring that out in them if, if it's already there. Um, I'm sure that there would be, in the studies that we've got on the show notes, there would be um, research done about the connection between violent games and acting out in the real world and, and, you know, things like high school shootings and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, it would be interesting to actually, you know, have a look at that and see what what the connection is between those sorts of games and, and, you know, what's happening in in real world. Yep. So, look, the, the other thing I was going to say, I'm just looking at the article that I put a link into as well, and the picture, which is a really cheesy picture, yeah. is a picture of a mother playing PlayStation with her kid. And that's actually, looking at the really cheesy aspect of the photo, it's actually got a bit of good advice in there. Yeah, it's a good Play idea. Play the games with your kid. Yep. Most of the games have a split-screen option. Yep. Learn what they're doing. Be, make it an interactive part. You know, if it's a, if it's FIFA, play FIFA with them. Play NBA in 2K, whatever it's called. Yep. You know, then you understand the games they're playing as well. Yeah. And you turn it into more of a one-on-one social interaction. Yeah. See, the problem I had with that, because I went down that path, but because, as I said before, I didn't have the reaction time and that kind of stuff. Yep. Because of my sporting background, I'm quite competitive. So I didn't like getting my butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I I would probably be the same. Yeah. But, you know, well, well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. There's plenty of links in the show notes. There's some re- if you're listening to this and you go, well, you know, they've glossed over it, whatever. There's a lot to read on this. Yeah. So go and have a look at the notes. Go and click on the links. Look at the readings. It's well worthwhile because it's a, probably a fairly, you know, important subject. But like we're saying, make choices about how you work with your kids or yourself. Make those choices about how you, what information you take and how you utilise that in your own world. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. We might take a very quick break and we'll be back to say goodbye in a moment on My Tech Opinion. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. We've gone through our feature topic tonight, today, which is being today, tonight. It's a television show from Channel 7, um, which has been uh, video games and their potential effects. We've sort of jumped around a bit. We did say, in short, watch what your kids are playing. If you've got kids, 
watch what you're playing if you're playing and see if it has a reaction and if you're with someone who's having effects tell them yeah um though next on our next episode chain episode 18 we are uh, you know, like our discussion on, on having kids, we are going to go into a topic that is uh, something that uh, that we are experts on, and I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, <laughs> um, fitness and health technology. So, you know, Fitbits, Apple Watches, heart rate monitors, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And uh, what um, some of the things that they're maybe developing or wanting to develop with that it could be, you know, wearables and things like that. So we'll talk about that. If there's anything that you want us to talk about or if you've got any comments on our discussion of our feature topic tonight, send us an email. Yep, absolutely. MyTechOpinion at prosumerit.com, which is at the bottom of the screen. If I do this and I point and it's touching it now. There you yep. Go. Um, so, yeah, MyTechOpinion at prosumerit.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh and also, um, the if you're listening to us on the podcast, in the Apple Podcast Store, please leave a review or the Google Podcast uh, app. Please leave a review. Uh, your positive reviews, yeah, don't leave negative ones. Um, your positive reviews help us get noticed and get more people out there listening to the program and we can get more thoughts and, and comments as we go through. So yep. make sure you do that. Um the other thing I was going to mention, sorry. I was going to say subscribe um, yes. to YouTube, subscribe to the audio feeds. Um, if you don't want to get the effort of writing a review, although it will help us, even if you give us like thumbs ups on YouTube and thumbs yep. ups everywhere else, so have thumbs ups and thumbs down, um, that all counts as well. Absolutely. And the other thing is, if you've got any thoughts of something that you'd like us to discuss, send us an email with those as well. Yep. And uh, a topic that you think would be a good one for us to talk about in a future episode. Um, I will mention our sponsors, uh, ATH Web Hosting, Aussie Techheads Web Hosting, for great hosting plans and support that help us make this show possible. Visit athwebhosting.com.au. Um, you can also catch our program on the Aussie Techheads ra- radio. Yep. Um, uh, and you might hear my voice also on Geeks Interrupted on there, as well as heaps of Australian tech programs. So uh, Aussie Tech Heads, including Aussie Tech Heads, of course, and they do some great stuff there. So athwebhosting.com.au. Yep. Shane, thank you very much for your research and thoughts on our topic today. No problem at all. We will be back for episode 18 very soon, and hopefully... Um, I will have an active MBN connection and we can strike that little piece of discussion off our show notes. We'll have nothing to talk about. I know. I'll complain about something else. It's all right. Uh, But until episode 18, this is Phil in Melbourne and... Shane in Perth. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you soon. All right, ciao. Bye.